0: This is Rinkwide on TSN 1040.
1: Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watton. Uh, sorry, I was just talking to the producer there, J.D. I was just wondering when your swipe card was going to stop working around here. Welcome back to Rinkwide.
0: That hurts, man. The show that power. always
1: scores. TSN 1040.
2: Wouldn't stop him from texting me his song requests.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't even... uh Yeah, what is this? What is this, The Misfits or something? No. I don't know. It's the
0: Misfits? or I don't know.
1: Jeez. It's Some obscure
0: it's, something. No, it's Blur. 90s Britpop, Death of a Party. This is a fantastic
1: album. Mm. You're always going with those deep cuts, eh? Yeah. Yeah, you like those. Yeah. All right. Man of the people, that J.D. Burke. That's what they call him. Uh, we put out our poll question. We've got it. We asked you, the listener, to break down who you thought your best... Canucks the best name in Canuck's history. And it came down to four. Byron Bitts, Sheldon Canagizer, Caesar, Caesar Maniago, or Lonnie Bohanes I get a feel I get the feeling that um, our next guest is gonna choose the goaltender in Caesar Maniago, but
0: the goalie union is like one of the the strongest labor well, unions targets in history. Do.
1: We're ex-targets. Yeah, you don't play the you don't play the position anymore. Though, no, do you?
0: no, yeah. my uh, my left knee. I had tendonitis at seventeen, and I think that was my cue to stop playing goalie.
1: Twenty-seven votes in right now. Lonnie Bohanes, Byron Bits. We, we have a
0: write-in too.
1: We're lead. I, we already did this. Ken well, Henderson. no, no, no.
0: If we're going to be a democratic society, no, no, Which, which no. You we should are, have
1: paid attention, Ken Anderson. No, see right, on
0: right, in votes. I, I am no, going to no, call no, an audible. No, we did this
1: already. We already asked no. the people to give me the names. That's why we tally. Think them of about. it.
0: Okay, so we were running the democratic primary, oh, and God there are the dear. four front runners, right? We got those, but you're still allowed to put All in right, a right-in. All in. right, Bernie.
1: Okay. You're allowed to put in a write in vote. Let's get Woodley into this. I... Thank you. Thank you. Blake that was Price. directed
0: at you. No, you. you.
1: You. I got my show, my show,
0: my show. All right, show. bring
1: Woodley into this conversation. This is going sideways right now. Uh Woodley, uh, did you hear all of that?
2: Unfortunately,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you pick uh, one of these names here. Byron Bitts, Sheldon uh Canagizer, Caesar Maniago, Lonnie Buhanas. What would be your favorite?
2: Well, um first off, the goalie of unions forces me to choose Caesar Caesar. Secondly, yeah. oh. um, I'm gonna need I'm going need a couple Caesars after this yeah. segment. <laughs> and thirdly, oh, you already had a couple.
1: Um, Come on, Canucks <laughs> PR uh, Stephanie Maniago yes. is a
2: relative, so you got to go with. Uh, it's a good fight. Wait, actually, yes,
1: you didn't know that. No, and, I didn't have a clue. I, I
2: wish I had remembered. You know exactly what the relationship is, but I don't want to miss misspeak. So, but yes, a relative huh. of, of the great Caesar Maniago. So. For all three reasons, I am picking Caesar. And also, I did not realize you were both former tenders of the Twine. So, how the hell did this show <laughs> get tagged, the show that always scores, if both of you were charged with preventing such things? Were well, you that bad at it? There, a, I was you know, really well, bad, man. There, there's like, a, there's I, a reason never, why we're
1: doing this now. Yeah,
0: I never <laughs> made a rep team. Oh, well, I've made,
1: I made plenty of rep teams.
0: Yeah, sure. Whatever. I did something cool with my life. Um,.
1: <laughs> okay, whatever that is. And now you're here. No, Kevin, that's why we do this now, yeah. not that. All right.
0: That's that's precisely why.
1: All right, let's let's keep on the targets though. And of course, the the biggest one here in this market would be Jacob Markstrom. Now, with everything that's happening right now and I know it's hard to speculate where exactly the cap is going to go. But before everything happened here, what were your thoughts in terms of, you know, maybe a percentage? On what the Canucks were going to do and whether they were going to sign Jacob Marksham. did you think that it was it was a high percentage, or perhaps that they were looking at things like, mm, let's see how this market plays out?
2: I think it was a high percentage. I, I don't think they, they they were just so upfront about it, right? And they have been throughout, especially Jim Benning, that that was their desire. And um, the question would have been what it, was always going to be what it would cost and whether that would be. Become prohibitive or or get to the point where you were willing to play that game of chicken and head into the open market. And I've said it many times. This is no slight to Jacob Markstrom. He's their MVP this season, unquestionably, in my mind. Um, But this is, I mean, it was before this, it was already going to be just an absolute. Bonkers game of musical chairs in the goalie fraternity. At a time when more and more teams were looking for one A and one B options. At a time when some of the top end names were going to hit the market. Like it's not just Markstrom, um, but it's Braden Holtby who is having not a great year statistically, um, but still has that pedigree. It's Robin Lehner who is having another great year statistically. It's Cor- like it's just it's such a deep list and all the top one A one B guys like. Um, Jarl Halak, Anton Hudolman, Thomas Grice, all those guys too. Like It was just going to be more goalies than there were positions available. And it never made sense to me to come out of your boots financially or in terms of, of length of contract to keep your guy knowing that it was going to be such a wild market this summer. And so I still think they would have got there, and I still think they probably will. But, you know, an already crazy summer for goaltenders is just going to be even even more question marks just given the uncertainty that we now see in terms of what the cap might look like. Um, Do we get to see any of these guys come playoff time? Do they bolster or, you know, reduce the demand for their services? Like Braden Holt, for the year he's had, he goes on another playoff run. Um, he, you know, he jumps to the top of a lot of lists. And those are all, you know, things that we may or may not yet get to see.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts on Robin Lehner? I mean, when you look at Jacob Markstrom and his sort of, you know, slow build to become an elite goaltender in the NHL, Lehner's kind of on the same sort of path as him. And now here he is. Where do you put him in terms of, you know, Jacob Markstrom and himself? Like, are they equal to each other? Do you think one has, you know, the edge
2: well, one's younger, right? But it's not it's, much, uh, though, right?
1: It's got, what, yeah, couple a couple years?
2: years. Yeah. a couple of years, and a couple of years matters here, especially when you talk about what, you know, especially if you start talking term and what the end of that term might be, the difference between 34 and 36, if we're talking a six-year deal, you know, can be significant. So it does matter a little bit. And, and I would argue a little bit on, on um They were both, yes, top-end prospects out of Sweden, um, and Markstrom did take a you know a much longer time to sort of reach this status. Laner had there were there were signs of this for him way earlier, and obviously a lot of people know um, some of the things that got in the way of that in terms of personal life and some of the struggles with with mental health and addiction and all the things that he's documented himself to try and help others. But even amidst that, like right until that final season in Buffalo, when everything sort of came out and everything sort of uh, came to the service in terms of him not even you know no longer being able to perform. he was still having like a year before what nine twentieth behind a pretty bad buffalo team like Robin Laner's actually done this a little longer. And what I like about Laner you know frankly is he's done it in different environments. You can look at the year he had with the Islanders two years ago uh, very well structured defensive team, and he was able to adjust his game to that. And this year he goes to Chicago, and a lot of people wondered, "Hey, like is this guy going to be able to perform at a high level behind a team that's way more wide open?" And he has now now the numbers weren't quite the same, and of course they're not going to be because the quality of chances he faced were higher. but especially like right up into the last two and a half weeks in Chicago, which is basically when it became clear to him they weren't going to offer him the opportunity to stay and he you know the mind wandered a little bit there. Um, right up until that point like he was having when you adjusted the numbers for shot quality he was up there among the top three in the entire nhl and i'd had conversations with him and and it matched what we were seeing on the ice about how he'd adjusted his style how he would recognized that the structure in front of him wouldn't permit him to be as technical as he was with the islanders you saw some stack pads you saw some one-knee-down sort of old-school half-butterfly reactive saves. And that's what I love about Laner. He can play it both ways. you got a team that wants to lock it down in low shot volume. He seems to be able to handle not being busy mentally. He seems to be able to handle changing his game to fit that structure. And then this year, he showed he could do it the other way. So um, Laner, frankly, would be on the top of my list on the open market. Not necessarily for the Canucks. Because the way they play and what they have, they already know that Jacob Markson fits all that. But if I'm another team worried about who on this list might fit my team, my system, my style, I think Roman is a guy that's showing he can play it a, a lot of different ways and still
1: be really good. Talking to Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine. Hey, Kevin, do you think that
0: this, this scenario right now with COVID-19 and the way it's going to affect the salary cap, uh, particularly if there isn't a regular season finale, much less the playoffs, is going to cause a lot of players and agents to look at the market this summer or whenever it comes to be and perhaps take shorter-term bets, and and does that apply to somebody like Jacob Markstrom? Is this a scenario where, look, these circumstances are awful, nobody enjoys them, and and I feel like that doesn't even need to be said, but it could benefit the Canucks from a bargaining position standpoint, because a lot of players are going to want to wait to see what the cap looks like in two, three years from now, rather than betting long-term based on what they see in front of them.
2: Well, if that's the case, and I mean, I can't, honestly, I can't answer whether that's going to be the case or not. I haven't talked to agents in terms of, you know, I mean, there's just so much uncertainty, right? So, but if that is the case, then I think that benefits teams and goal and NGMs that are looking for goaltending, because at the risk of having my goalie union card pulled, I've, I've said this for years: the one thing I'd avoid is term. Um, it's not just, and that's not because that's not because goalies are unpredictable. Um, per se. It's not because it's voodoo. Um, I think a lot of that stuff is overset. If you really know what you're looking for, you could find fits. Um, it's because the game changes. Like wh- you know, we've seen the game in the past two or three years evolve so much in terms of the way teams attack. Um, but a lot of the lateral elements have just increased so dramatically. And there are goalies that had success one way, that are struggling to adjust to an attack that, you know, three years ago they had no problems. And now all of a sudden everything coming at them is different. And these are guys that you would have bet the farm on, you know, just a couple of years. I think Matt Murray's a prime example. Um, Not saying he's gotten worse, but he plays a real low-wide walked-in or sort of locked-in stance that I I just think leaves him vulnerable as plays get more lateral in front of him. So there's just one off the top of my head examples where the game can change so quickly that – you may have a guy whose skills don't change, they don't erode, he didn't get worse, and yet his ability p- to perform for you might not be as good two, three years from now just because everything else around him, that environment, not just defensively in the defensive environment your team provides, but what he's facing from other teams trying to attack in different ways, it just shifts so dramatically.
1: Uh, Kev, last question here. Uh, if you had to put a letter grade on Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko, I know the Athletics uh, Thomas Drance and Harmon Dial did their uh, grades earlier this week. Uh, what, what would be a letter grade for both Jacob and Thatcher?
2: I got to combine them. I'm not sure. I'm no, not no, no, no. Re- each like I like would like be the separate. worst teacher in the world, right? So um, I don't even coach kids sports because I know how bad I'd be at it. So uh, assessing grades. Um, let's see. I give Mar- Markstrom. What do you, I mean, how do you give him anything less than an A on the season he had? Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 you know, Demko, again, I, I have not read that article. Apologies to those guys, I, I normally read all their stuff all the time, must have missed it. Um, I'm a subscriber to the athletics, so plug there. <laughs> but I, I don't know what the game like, I'd give I'd still give Demko really good grades for this season. I think that there was going to be a learning curve. I've seen some elements in his game that I like. Uh, that did change over the offseason and and continue to evolve this season. There are still some more to be worked on. But, um, you know, for the most part, I'd probably put him in the B category, right? It wasn't perfect. It wasn't always smooth. But um, his situation was different, and there were different challenges for him. I think for the most part, he rose to them.
1: Well, Kevin, you were perfect. You were smooth. Thank you for joining us, as always. And uh, we'll be reaching out again.
2: I, my pleasure, guys. I apologize for the vacuum in the background. It seems the one time my teen daughter has actually decided to clean something would be as soon as I went on the air. I'm a little shocked here.
0: I didn't even uh, notice I didn't it, notice man. either, like, but that's awesome.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Kev. Take care, bud. Take care, guys. Yeah, that's Cheers. Kevin Woodley uh, in Goal Magazine. Goalie guru. He is, like,
0: so sharp. You He's know, so most sharp. of the time, like, I was joking. I was saying to Jason when uh, he was saying a lot of people say it's voodoo, and I was like, it is. But I'm just joking, like, if you have a knowledge base like Kevin Woodley has, like, put him in my front office in charge of right? every every goaltending decision, right? you know? Yeah. Seems obvious. The
1: thing with Kev too is that I've come to find out is that he, he wasn't, it's not like he was, like, groomed and played the position all his life. Like, he picked it up later on. Yeah,
0: like, like I think he, what, what's his story? I think, like, he was 30 when he came around to the position <laughs> wow. or something.
1: Wow. Like I mean,
0: I could be wrong. I could be yeah. way off. But, but I still, heard something. I, I like it was he in came to is, Yeah. Later I thought in I life. thought he was yeah. like
1: you know like myself or you like just played it throughout uh, your you know your youth and growing up. But anyway,
0: it's a shame we didn't have a chance to ask him about his backstory.
1: We'll do well. Listen, <laughs> we got lots of time, and we can put that on the uh, back burner uh, for another another time. A hundred and eighty votes in on the poll question right now, guys. Who has the best name in Canucks history? I want to remind you. That we put this out last week, earlier in the week, so we asked you to give us your top names, then we took all of them, this tallied them up, race. tallied them up, and we got these four. Byron Bits, Sheldon Kanegieser, uh, Caesar Maniago, and Lonnie Bohannis. Now, you have all these people replying underneath with all these different names. Guys, we gave you the lead up for this. So no, we're not but, adding anymore. Sorry, Yarko Rutu guy that and, and pep, uh, Peter Screco, although Screco made it into the final, but Don Taylor was able to uh, pick the final four. Very
0: so, cool update though from the mentions. Okay, hold from on the mentions. Hold,
1: hold on. Uh leading right now, just barely, by less than one percent, Byron Bitts with thirty three point two percent. So head over to at TSN ten forty uh and cast your vote.
0: And quick update from the Menchies. Uh Played with Byron Bitts and yeah. Junior. This is Michael Olson. We called him Big Worm. What's that, Big Worm? Yeah, and I I'm, mean Big Worm. I mean Big Worm. Let's just not. You gotta not, get that. You gotta let's get just that. not interrogate that and and go to break and come back with a bang and manifesto. If
1: you don't come back with a clip from Friday after this, Friday's Big Worm, right? I don't know. On the other side, we'll figure it out. It's rink wide. It's a show that always scores. Yes, I did for. It.